And welcome back, everyone. This is ACC Football and Beyond. I am Chris Landry taking you through the league, the week that was, the latest, what's going on around the league. We've got it all for you here on ACC Football and Beyond. If you're watching this show live, and we know a few of you are just getting notification, um, we appreciate you joining us live. If you're listening to this in podcast form, we encourage you to join us live. How do you do that? Go to LandryFootball.com, <clears throat> click on follow Chris on Twitch, or if you're inclined to um, go to the YouTube channel, you can find that all at Landry Football. You can catch it on YouTube, Twitch TV, um, Twitter live at Landry Football. You can catch the show live, uh, all the forums in which you can watch the show. And, um, you know, if you're on YouTube, you're on Twitch, um, you can join us in the chat room. So. Appreciate you joining us um, each and uh, every time we go on the air. We we really do appreciate it. Uh, also, want in, to encourage you to uh, check out uh, LandryFootball.com, uh, the podcast. You can just go to LandryFootball.com, click on it, tell you what to sign up. And as we mentioned with the other shows, we're certainly looking to see what the algorithms say and the interest level in the shows. Uh, and we will uh, certainly uh, take that into consideration, whether uh, we continue with this program <clears throat> or go in and, um, you know, uh, make some changes to the different types of programming. We're going to get to some game balls this week, some power rankings within the league. Uh, the rankings uh, are coming out. There's really no ACC involvement. Not that there was much of a chance for Wake Forest to make the playoffs, but that is over and done. And so the ACC, officially, unofficially, no way, no how, will not have a team in it. We still have some interesting races, though. We got uh, some interesting matchups. Get NC State Wake this week, in which is a big matchup. I'm curious to see NC uh, North Carolina Pitt um, on uh, Thursday night. So some interesting matchups. But we're going to get into that. Going to talk in a minute about uh, the Virginia Tech program. It's the program, um, and there's some others. Um, certainly, uh, Georgia Tech would be one that we'd have to look at um, in terms of their future. Duke, I think, is something we're going to have to look at in terms of potential coaching changes. I would think Manny Diaz is in better position now than he has been. Same with Dino Babers. Um, but we're going to get into Virginia Tech. Is is that that's got some very difficult decisions to make? Do they go the Nebraska route? Um, we'll see. So we're going to get into that. Taking your questions and comments in the um, chat room, and we'll get to them in the mailbag segment. Some news and notes. Jordan Travis uh, returned to practice on Tuesday for Florida State. Um, looking like he's going to be able to play um, coming up as the Miami FSU game. Um Brendan Armstrong exited uh, the game against BYU, considered a game-time decision for Notre Dame this week. Um, we're going to have all the latest information over at LandryFootball.com in our notebook, so check that out. <clears throat> Virginia Tech uh, got a 26-17 win over Georgia Tech over the weekend. Uh, wasn't a real impressive, stable second half. Um, 
when you look at the game. But they finished uh, to get their second, yes, second ACC win of the year. It's better than the alternative, I guess. Um, guys played hard. They didn't pack it in. They were um, playing a Georgia Tech team that's very much similar in terms of uh, you're looking at the program and you're looking at the state of it. And it, it's important to note that this Virginia Tech program has a little bit of a jump on a little bit longer stretch than Georgia Tech and not given excuses, but Jeff Collins has had a major, major flip over in terms of how they run in their program and the, the personnel makeover. But still both of these teams or two teams that are kind of mirror mirror images in terms of the future looks bleak. Um, but I want to sit there and look at, you know, what the positives and the negatives of the situation. I think you need to look at that and you need to examine it very honestly in any situation, um, but certainly in coaching searches. And we did this in the Big Ten show with Nebraska. And we've talked about what are the pros and cons of moving on from Scott Frost versus staying with them. So in their ability to stick together, um, Virginia Tech, it's better than a team that's going through the motions, that's quitting, that's mentally checked out. Um, It doesn't do a whole lot in terms of looking at, hey, they're starting to make progress. They're starting to get better. The future's looking a little bit brighter. You don't get that feeling, but it's not a quit feeling. Um, Tech is four and four, um, two and three in the league. They're not in the coastal race. Um, coastal is, is wide open. Pittsburgh's not exactly bolstering through that door, but, you know, Virginia Tech's got to win five straight, and they're not a team that's built for that. Their schedule is not a daunting one, as they've got Duke at Miami and at Virginia, but that's still going to be a change. So what is a, a, a tough um, to, to make a change to flip this season around is what I'm saying. So what does athletic director Whit Babcock do? regarding the leadership of the program. Um, If you look at it, if he does decide to make a change at the end of the year, he's got to sort through um, I think it's a good job and I think there can be a number of quality candidates for the job. They've got some good things to sell. Fan support that's probably as good and certainly as unique as any in the league. Clemson's obviously is a great feel to it. Um, Florida State certainly has been down, but they certainly have a good fan base. Um, Miami does not. Carolina does their thing. Um, But if you look at the best fan bases in this league, you're looking at, the Clemson, the Florida States, and I think Virginia Tech is in that group. They, um, the fan supports there. It's a small rural town. It's still close enough to big population centers to recruit well. 
They play in a division in which you would think they would have taken advantage, as I would say that about just about anybody. Um, every program has won it since, you know, its inception. Also on the positives for Virginia Tech, they've announced a $40 million campaign. Excuse me. $400 million campaign earlier this year to improve the infrastructure of the athletic department, mostly investing into the football program. If you're looking to attract a quality head coach, you've got millions of additional dollars in funding for the program. That's big. Um, you've got They've got a Reach for Excellence campaign and close to you know, getting fully executed, but they're, they're going to get a larger recruiting staff of analysts, support staff, all the things that you see at big time programs. Um, if you look at what other programs do, this has not been something that Virginia tech has been able to do. They're setting aside $5 million for additional recruiting staff. They're going to do, they've got four staffers right now. Uh, Not nearly enough. They're setting aside $5 million for quality control coaches and $10 million for assistant coaching salaries. They have one quality, uh, excuse me, one quality control coach, an offensive quality control coach. Um, You've got an offensive assistant. You've got a director of player development. John Tenuta is the senior defensive analyst. Um, so they've got some folks, not nearly, not nearly what you have at other big time programs, nothing near. So you have to look at it. Um, you know, I think that if you look at all the different, um, programs in the conference, Florida state's trying to make improvements. Nobody is spending what Clemson spends in terms of infrastructure. If you're going to have a program that's going to be better than mediocre, you've got to go and put the money into it. And whether that is going to attract better support staff for a current coach or to attract a better coach, I think that's where they are. And they're at the cusp of trying to make that impact to say, here's what we're doing, potential coaching candidate or certainly help the current one. Now, we've talked a little bit in the Nebraska situation. There's obviously one of their own in Scott Frost, somebody that they have full belief and full support behind. The relationship between the Virginia Tech administration and um, Justin Fuente hasn't been as good. So where would they go with this? But – you know, I think that they're looking to add, again, director of player personnel, director of high school relations, some regional scouts, on-campus recruiting coordinator, administrative assistants, all things that they're lacking. So um, they've got a lot of things that they need to, to do. And Whitbath got, you know, going to make this football program better from an infrastructure standpoint. So how do you um, – you got to take a look at it if they make the change. Do you want to um, 
come in and be a part of this win now immediately world we live in and as they're building the infrastructure and are you going to get a couple of years to build it towards where you want and maybe you can't hire everyone or you're going to get a pass for a couple of years where you're not as good i mean i think that's that's a that's what you're going to want to hear if you're a coaching candidate or if you're with babcock do you stick with the current guy that you have give them a little more time if you don't believe in him that's disingenuous but then you may not be in a position yet you can sell the concept and the idea of and the plans but it's better when you can sell it's in it's there it's done here we go i think there's some coaches that would be appealing but it would have to be the current version of what Justin Fuente was bright young coach Memphis did a good job kind of proven there taking that next step if you're Virginia Tech you're not poaching somebody at another power five school to come to your place I mean unless it's a lower level one you know um could you get a if the timing were a little bit different, let's say three years from now, could you get a Lance Leopold to leave Kansas to go to Virginia Tech? Yeah, you, you could. You could get somebody like that. So you could get a lower-level Power Five, but not someone of that ilk. And Virginia Tech will see themselves as a elite program. And yet I think we're seeing that um, they're trying to make themselves behind the scenes be a little bit more of – an elite program. If they do make a move, their vice president, Charlie Flager, will um, going to be a key figure in the search. He's part of that Reach for Excellence, uh, Reach for Excellent initiative. Um, you know, they need the head coach, the athletic director, and Buris Hall, where the, the administration head is, need to be on the same page. And I don't know that they are with the current coach. One of the key problems that Tech has had over the last five years is the disconnect between the administration and the football side and what is truly required to compete. Now, this Reach for Excellence program is the solution to that problem. It's imperative that if they do make the change, that they also make sure that the progress is not halted. And so, well, where would they go? Well, I have heard a lot about, well, they would maybe, what about a guy like uh, Hugh Freeze, who's had success at a big-time program, doing a good job at Liberty, up the road, why not go there? He could go and recruit crazy um, in that whole Atlantic seaboard, and he could run an offense. He could, football-wise, make some sense. He's got a history of NCAA problems. He's got some off-the-field problems, or had some. Virginia Tech is a very conservative lot. Okay, they're not real comfortable with having somebody that's in the least, you know, they like the milk toast guy, and that's what they're used to having. They haven't done this coaching search stuff very often. Frank Beamer was there a long time. So, I don't know. They're 
to say that they're looking for the next Frank Beamer. I don't know that that's the case because to have that type of stability in today's world, it's just really not, not likely, but it is something that bears watching. And is something that while I made the comparisons to Nebraska, it's a comparing contrast. The reasons why they might want to do something like that. There's some other reasons why they may not be the ideal fit. Game balls this week in action. Kenny Pickett of uh, Pitt. And by the way, taking your questions, we see uh, GTH804 is joining us. Appreciate you. We're going to get to your questions here in a bit. So join us in the chat room. Kenny Pickett, uh, another outstanding performance. Um, this is 14th game of at least 300 yards um, or more. Tying the school record by Alex Van Pelt has did such a good job. He's led Pitt to four 50-point games this year. Um, very, very impressive. Ty Chandler, how about the Tennessee transfer going at um, North Carolina? Eating up that Wake Forest defense. Um, really, really impressive. Four touchdowns in the game. That's the first time since Leon Johnson did it in the early 90s. Very, very impressive. Charleston Rambo. Um, um, impressive. Miami junior receiver. Uh, really good performance. And the, the win uh, um, was very, very impressive there. Offensive lineman Marcus McKeithen of North Carolina was outstanding. Um, I thought Keir Thomas of Florida State defensive end was the deserved a game ball at that position. I think John um, Petrushen, the senior outside backer from Pitt, deserved a lot of credit. Uh, Jenea Thomas, a Georgia Tech defensive back, the safety was was uh, deserving as well. Jalen Stinson of Duke at Opelika, Alabama, uh, and again, I'm going to give Tyler Van Dyke of um, of Miami uh, another one. When um, back to the coaching, um, the the other ones I'm looking at in the league are keeping an eye out on is Duke, the possible end of Cutcliffe, although I'm not sure. I don't know that Georgia Tech's ready to make a move on Jeff Collins, but they certainly have a decision to make. I would think Manny Diaz maybe has saved his job, but there's still going to be some sentiment towards making a move there. Um, don't think Mac's ready to step aside there. I, th- I think that Dino Babers may have earned, earned himself another year. Don't know. Don't know what their other options are. I'll, those are the others outside Virginia Tech. As far as the power rankings, pay rankings within the conference, I got to put Duke right there at the very bottom. Uh, they dropped their fifth straight game over the weekend, lost to Pitt. Um, You know, the they scored 29 points. That's a positive. I thought Gunnar Holmberg played fairly well. They conclude their season at against Virginia Tech, Louisville, and Miami. Uh, they're 3-6. and six. They're very likely going to end up 3-9. and nine. And if they do, uh, I don't know. Uh, new athletic director, m- maybe it's time to make a move there. Just a sense. For Florida State, they lost uh, 28-14 in North Carolina State. Dropped their record to 3-6. and six. Um, McKenzie Milton played, played fairly well. Um, they got Miami, got BC, they got Florida. We know Florida's in a mess. Uh, it's unlikely that they beat Miami. Unlikely that they beat BC with Phil Djokovic back. So we're looking at probability of three more losses. Again, 
three and nine. I do think Mike Nor- well, Mike Norvell will be coming back for another year, particularly with the recruiting class that he's got going on. And he's, but I think he's going to have to start to make a little bit of a move towards bowl game activity next year. Georgia Tech is another program that, again, I'm concerned about the three and six. They dropped their third straight. Fell to Miami by three points. Jeff Sims. 21 to 38, 194 yards, a touchdown, an interception. The defense just gave up a ton of yards. They got BC, Notre Dame, and Georgia. I think three and nine is where they're headed. And I think there's really cause uh, for concern there. I just don't see the improvement. I don't know that it's coming. Um, You know, here's the problem. I mean, Losing to Notre Dame in Georgia and losing to some of their games is one thing. When you really start to lose games, you know, um, like if they were to lose to BC, you'd look at BC and you say, BC's got a better program than Georgia Tech. How does that happen with Jeff Halfley that quickly as opposed to Georgia Tech? Well, we've had to rechange everything and the philosophy. I get that. I think it buys them one more year, but I think they're running out of slogans. I think they're running out of cheers and it's time to put up or shut up. And I think anything short of a bowl season next year and it's over. We've talked about Virginia tech, the four and five. Um, they lost that matchup to BC last Friday. And I'm curious to see uh, with how how things play out. Uh, they've got senior night coming this week um, against Duke, which should be a win. Um, do not lose that game, or I think it is completely over for Justin. For Louisville, they dropped their second straight game. They were down by Clemson over the weekend. Malik Cunningham, you know, not a really good passer, uh, 12 for 20. No touchdowns, no interceptions, however. He rushed the ball 22 times for 134 yards. That's what he does well. Um, They were competitive and had a chance to win this game. They'll finish the season against Syracuse, Duke, and Kentucky. Uh, Syracuse and Duke are winnable games. Getting to bowl eligibility, I think, is really important for the development of this team. Uh, For Scott Satterfield, uh, losing one of those games and not going to a bowl. It's not just going to a bowl. It's not getting the bowl practice. The not getting to that benchmark is certainly going to be a bad look for them. BC, they snapped their four-game skid. But look, you know, they've played hard. They've played well. They have played hard without Phil Jakovic. With Jakovic coming back, made a huge difference in terms of leadership. I think they've coached around this team well. I think they've got Pat Gorwold to, to develop into a pretty good back. They're finishing up against Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Wake Forest. They can compete and win a couple of those games. They just need one more to go to a bowl. Think about that for a second. They're headed towards a six or seven win season, I think. They could end up losing the last three and um, end up five and seven. But I think they're in pretty – Pretty good shape. Syracuse at five and four were off last week. Five and four in the season, two and three in the league, fourth place in the Atlantic. 
going to travel to take on Louisville. They're underdogs in the game, a winnable game, a losable game. Getting to bowl eligibility again, big, big games um, for Syracuse and Dino Babers. North Carolina, disappointing year, no doubt for them. Going to a bowl game is a must, but you know, not to save Mac Schaub or anything like that. But got game uh, against Pitt, Wofford, NC State. Um, the offense is starting to come alive. They replaced a lot of people. The defense has been a huge disappointment. Miami's come to life five and four. They won their three straight games. They found their young quarterback. It does appear in Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, Jalen Knight, and they've got some good players. Finish off, play FSU, play them well, win the game. Um, you know, you can build off of that and buy yourself another year. Um, I think one of the issues that Miami has to figure out is, A, is it worth running a coach off and who are you going to get? It's a good program. It's not the elite program. The big thing with Miami is Miami used to own South Florida in recruiting. And that really changed with Urban Meyer. And so, and then since Urban Meyer left, other people have come in and have taken South Florida over. I mean, it's oh, Nick Saban goes in and gets the time. I mean, they're so Miami's never gotten South Florida back. They lost it to Urban Meyer in Florida, but they never got it back. And so it, you can talk, I mean, facilities, and they're trying to make some improvements there. But the reality is, I think all three of those programs, Florida, Florida State, and Miami, were all behind in terms of facilities compared to others. I think they live off the fact that the kids in Florida all wanted to go to Florida. And again, Miami owns South Florida. Florida State recruited great. And Florida always got theirs. But Urban kind of took it over and took it, flipped it over to make it a Gator State in South Florida. And Miami never, never earned it back. And I don't know that many can do it. But I also don't know who else is going to come in that they can go pick to be the answer there. I don't know that Miami's going to be what Miami used to be. The Cavs, 6-3, and three, can't play defense, but, um, man, the, they've, they've uh, rode uh, Brendan Armstrong all year long, dealing with some injuries. But 6-3, and three, very impressive how they've milked a lot of that team. That's a really good job there by Bronco Mendenhall. Clemson. I'd probably put them, you know, kind of, you know, looking at them. They defeated Louisville, second consecutive win. It's weird to be talking about Clemson in this regard. DJU completed 18 to 30, 220 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions in the win. They take on UConn before finishing against Wake in South Carolina. And, and look, I think that they can end up 9-3. and three. All things considered – not bad because they were looking like it was going to be even worse. That would be a nice little coaching job to get that done. NC State 7-2. and two. Went on the road, defeated Florida State. Expected that they would. Devin Leary was 21-32. Very functional. Four touchdowns, one interception, 314 yards. Um, didn't get it done against Miami. Got it done against uh, Florida State. Pitt, 
Defeated Duke on the road. Pickett was good. It's about Virginia, North Carolina, Virginia, and Syracuse. Finishing strong if you're Pitt. Same thing with, with NC State. So that's kind of the the um, the finish that we're looking forward to. And then you got Wake. Lost to North Carolina. Not all is lost, though. Still a really good offensive team. Um, North Carolina played well. We thought that was going to be a potential stumbling block. But um, it is difficult when you can't get stops defensively and you put so much pressure on one side of the ball, in this case offensively, if you have a little bit of an off day or you just you score points, but you don't score them at the rate of which you normally do. You score 27 points, 30 points. You score 35 points, and you got real, no, really no shot to win a game. You're vulnerable. So I think it's impressive that they're eight and one. It's also the byproduct of they're good, and you're seeing a conference that's just struggling to get things done. Uh, this week we got again Georgia Tech, BC, UConn, Clemson, Duke, Virginia Tech, Miami, Florida State, Syracuse at Louisville, NC State at Wake, the premier game, North Carolina Pitt on Thursday night. Notre Dame, Virginia is an intriguing one as well. Notre Dame just kind of quietly going on. Just moving on, right? Just do what they do. They don't um quietly well-coached Notre Dame team. They're right now, if you were to throw them in the ACC, they would be the most consistent in uh, program inside the league. Going to get to your questions in the chat room in a second, but I want to tell you about my friends at BetQL Daily. Do you feel like you're the last one out when it comes to sports betting? Don't know where to start? Understand where the market is moving, which smart bets are out there, and have some fun listening while you're at it. BetQL Daily, sponsored by FanDuel, is a must-listen show for sports bettors and sports fans alike. They are a great listen, fun, informative, very helpful. Hosts Joe Ostrowski, Joe Gigolo, and Eric um, Hackensworth serve up Wager Entertainment, the sports talk you love with the betting insights you need each weekday. Find out where the market is moving across all of this week's biggest sporting events. Miss out on earlier games? BetQL Daily has you covered there, too, with recaps from some of the biggest recent moments in sports. If you're not sure where to start with the sports betting, start with BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel. Listen weekdays 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Odyssey, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Um, GTH 804F, man, that's a... Hey, G, I appreciate it. Good afternoon. Really appreciate what you're doing for us fans. A question about Calvin Johnson. Obviously, he was extremely well-liked by NFL people coming out of Georgia Tech. What do you like the most about Calvin coming out of college? His size-speed combination. Um, obviously, running in the wishbone, they didn't throw it a bunch, but he got single coverage because you had to defend the, the wishbone. He won every 50-50 ball. He just was a beast. He had big, strong hands big, strong body that made plays on the ball consistently uh, in very underrated speed. So, you know, there were big receivers before him, 
And I'm not going to say he was the first one or the guy that changed the game because I think a number of them did. But I think he was certainly one of them. One of them that you can put his size and speed up against anybody else, and it was going to be a really tough matchup. I also subscribe to you with your assessment of Georgia Tech. It's uh, things I like, things to see like coverage bus against Virginia Tech and Miami that, and the dilapidated final drive at Miami that are the clear uh, cut coaching issues that I wonder if they will ever be fixed. Do you believe it is more first-time coordinators and Thacker or the head coach? Well, it's it's look, it's all falls under the head coach because he's hiring the coordinators, right? I think you do. When you have first-time coordinators, here's what I say about that. What does it say about your program? If you're going to be an elite program, we just talked about it with Virginia Tech. I'm not saying that they're not supporting Jeff Collins. I, I, I think they've given him a lot. But here's what I would say. If you're going to want to have coaching that's top shelf, more experience, you need to do like some of the things that, well, Virginia Tech's trying to do and should have done for years now. If you're Georgia Tech, you need to do the same thing. If you're going to be an elite program, you more than anybody are going to have to go out and hire. And I think Jeff had good credentials to get the job. But if you keep Jeff, and let's just say you make moves with more experienced coordinators, that's going to be tough to do with maybe a guy that's clearly is in an absolute must-win mode next year if he, he returns. If you're going to be a program like this that you want to take that next step, you have to have the infrastructure. To me, you either need to get the money that's going to allow you to hire all the analysts to pay coordinators equal money with the top programs in the country that you're competing against, or you need to understand that we're not going to be that good. Don't sit there and think you're going to operate on a budget of a 7-5 and five program or a 6-6 six and six program and think you're going to win nine games. I'm not saying that Georgia Tech's not spending it, but when you're talking about first-time coordinators, why do you have first-time coordinators? It's Georgia Tech. If you're going to have a program where you're going to have expectations, you ought to be able to go and get someone that's got a lot of experience. And why can't Jeff do that? Well, what is what does he have to pay? And, and that's where the issues are. I'm not saying that the coaching's great. I think the coaching is questionable. But then why is that? Well, I think you've got a lot of growing pain. So you have to either accept that as an administration. Okay, we have to pay less. We have less support staff. We pay coordinators and assistants less. Therefore, we're going to have to have our expectations match what we're willing to pay. Okay, oh, well, but we pay this guy, this staff. What's your overall staff? what you're willing to pay, and how does it compare? If you are paying that and you're not getting guys that are comparable, then you're not doing a good enough job using your financial resource. 
resources. So you have to look at it as an administration, as a coaching staff, and say, look, what can we do as an administrative staff to give you the resources to do an even better job? And then if you're not able to do it, then it's on you. But look, if you're if you're going to build a house and you got a budget, you have to understand that if you've got a $400,000 budget, there are things that you're not going to get in that house that you know you might want but require an $800,000 budget or a million dollar budget. You have to understand what it is and what the cost of living is in today's world. And I'm not saying this as it relates just to Georgia Tech, but you have to look at that. What are you paying? What are you willing to pay? If you're willing to pay as much as everyone else and you're not able to hire that, why aren't you? Or you're not creating a stable environment where coaches want to come because they feel like you've got a short leash and the expectations are out of whack. I think all those things are what you have to provide as an administration. A stable environment. We will be patient. We will pay you money. And here's what our expectations are. I hear this a lot. I heard Texas Tech, Kirby Holcutt, the athletic director, talk about the ex- when he fired Matt Wells. Look, no problem. You're not happy with Matt Wells. You pay him his money. You move on and get somebody else. Go get it. The comment was, we expect to be elite at Texas Tech. Oh, you do, do you? Okay. Great. Let's talk about your budget. What's your budget? How many people on staff are you willing to? Because if it doesn't look like elite, you ain't going to be elite. And you don't have the history, the tradition, the infrastructure to probably get to the elite. So it's a great soundbite to your fan base. Yeah, we want to be elite. That's giving lip service. And it really doesn't amount to the Hill of Beans. Hey, appreciate you joining us again. Um, appreciate your feedback. Appreciate GTH804F. I need to come up with a short name for you. So uh, I just call you G. But next time, uh, send me a note there. I want to give you the right uh the right kudos you deserve. Appreciate you. Good questions, good thoughts that you have there. So thrilled to have you, thrilled to have everyone join us inside uh, our show. So uh, check us out at LandryFootball.com for all the film room breakdowns of all the games, previews of the next week's games, NFL. We've got it all for you. Take advantage of our football season sale today. Join us at 4 p.m. Central as we go through the world of the NFL. We got it all for you right here, part of the Landry Football Network. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you next time, everybody.